Good morning. It is Tuesday. I meant to do a Monday podcast. Um, I don't know, just kind of thinking of a few things going on right now. And then just this month, you know, I know right now there's a lot of protests going on and believe me, you just jump on any social media. You see everybody has an opinion as usual. Um, I am definitely a Black Lives Matter person. Um, you know, I, I think of my whole life and lived experiences and I'm actually going to share one of my new friends I've met this past year through jujitsu because our kids are both in jujitsu. Um, I'm going to share his podcast because he actually has this really great one that I listened to and Mark listened to some of it and Max listened to some of it and I think it'll be illuminating for some people who maybe don't have people in their lives that have different lived experiences than them. I, um, you know, I always talk about how I grew up in a very white bubble. I went to school. There was one black friend of mine, Crystal, in elementary that was black. Then I went to junior high and there were slightly, I'm letting my dog out as I'm talking. You know, junior high had a little bit more, you know, differences in the students, but it was majority white. And I have one friend, T.T. Rogers. Uh, then I went to high school and I really didn't have a lot of friends. I just had like uh, my friends that I grew up with. And then, you know, I think I had like Wendy, Katie, Michelle and Melissa were pretty much my only friends through high school. I mean, I definitely had acquaintances in high school, but I'm talking friends that I hung out with. Then I went to college and, you know, I kind of had a small circle there. I remember me and Andrea were study buddies and drove to all our clinicals together. And then I got my first nursing job in my 20s and I worked in Cleveland. And it was a big eye opener. Um, there were times when I was like the only white person that worked on the floor. And I remember like that was like my moment that I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder if this is what somebody that's not white feels like when they're in an all white area they live in or in a store with everybody's white. And it kind of was like a jarring moment. And I'm always grateful that I worked in Cleveland for all the years that I did because I was exposed to so many things that I was never exposed to in my life before. Um, I was exposed to so many different religions. I was exposed to so many different ethnicities and languages and food and culture and just, I miss it. I miss it so much sometimes. I miss it so much that I try to create it in my own home because, you know, Cleveland's expensive to live in. We actually looked about, we looked to move there in about 2008 or nine. Um, I was pregnant with Evan, actually, so it would have been 2008 or nine. Well, I had him in 2009, but, um, and we looked at living in Euclid because I was like, shit, this is like a fucking 15 minute drive to work. This will be awesome. And, you know, the the couple houses I remember at the time, there was one for like $135,000 and it was in our budget and it, you know, it was real cute. It was on Meredith Avenue. And I remember I had a little postage stamp of a yard and, you know, we were looking at the schools in the area and I hadn't really thought about homeschooling miles yet. You know, he had still been public school all the way through. And then we just looked at Mentor and there were like more expensive houses in Mentor, but they were kind of like dumps. And I'm like, how the fuck are you going to spend like more money on this house? Looks like the house. And oh God, no offense if my mom listens to this, but it looked like the house I grew up in and the house I grew up in had like the foundation crumbling and it was like over a hundred years old. Um, and then we found the house in Ashtabula 
and it was a foreclosed home and it was like 30 some thousand dollars for a foreclosed home with a fucking huge backyard. And so, you know, it kind of sucked that we, we chose to stay here because it was so goddamn cheap. But I kept working, you know, in Cleveland. And then after a while, after four years, it just got to be too much of a drive. And then I came here and worked in Ashtabula. And it was like a culture shock from working somewhere and then coming somewhere where it's mostly white again. And, you know, you have a lot of like conservative people, pro-life and, you know, not very open about any kind of issue with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, what have you. And I just felt like, fuck, did I go in a time machine and travel back to 1950s? Like, I'll be honest, I felt like that. Because I went from somewhere where it was like alive and just pulsing with all this great energy to like black and white again. And it felt weird. Um, so it's just my, that was my experience. And uh, knowing that people have such different experiences that they're talking to their kids about race as a child to say, hey, you know, you can't wear hoodies. You may look threatening to people when you walk into a room. And just something that I never had to experience in my life. The fact that I listened to those stories when I worked downtown, it just kind of opened up my mind a little. And instead of me discounting somebody's story is not true because it's not who I am as a person anyways. I don't have a woman tell me she was raped and start asking questions like, what were you wearing? And are you sure? Did you do this? Like, I just never have been that person. So if somebody's telling me that, you know, yeah, no, people are racist as hell. You know, this is what happened to me. And I'm like, damn, okay, that's fucked up. And you know, I didn't, and it's just kind of, that's my privilege of living where I've lived my whole life. And who I've been surrounded by that I didn't know that was even a thing until my 20s. And the fact that, like I said, kids are learning that it is a thing because they have to live it and experience it as young as like seven or eight, it just was a big eye opener. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my husband also, I don't know, his experience is a little bit different, obviously, than mine, but he also worked at Cleveland for five years. Um, and he says the same thing, sim you know, similar about how it was for him and then coming back to now we both work here and it's just it is a smaller town it is a small town mentality and I know people are going to hear that and maybe be annoyed if they live in the small town I mean I fucking live here too and I'm saying it and it's not bothering me so I don't know why it would bother you it's 100% true it's like saying you know you live in New York City and then you go live in like you know some small town in Kansas it's going to fucking be different um, your experiences, the things that are surrounding you are going to be different. Sometimes I think I'm doing a disservice to my kids by living here because they're not going to be exposed to those. You know, am I just perpetuating the same thing? They're going to live in this kind of white bubble until they get to go away. I did get to send my oldest because he, he has family in England. So he got to go to England and Spain, a little layover in Germany a couple of years back. And, you know, he came home changed because you have to get out of your bubble to be changed. And I mean, we all don't have money to fly to Germany or Spain and England. I understand that. Hello? Hopefully I did this right. I literally, Miles just came down. I had to put it on pause and I'm like, how do I unpause this thing? But, um, and now my whole vibe is kind of destroyed because I don't know where I was at. I think I was just talking about getting out of your bubble. And, you know, you can do that by reading books. You can do that by following social media of black men and women and listen to their lived experiences. I follow like Gary the Gay and Lizzie the Les, Like I follow all these different like lesbian and gay and like trans communities so I can be more educated. I just and just so you know, those are safe spaces for those different people. Like you don't shouldn't get on there and start playing fucking devil's advocate because that's really fucking annoying for all of us. I don't like it in women's 
pages where men get on, well, what about this? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, just, if you really, really want to fucking be a good person and be an ally, you listen. You just fucking listen. You don't discount people. You don't play devil's advocate. You listen to what they're saying, and then you fucking think on it. You think on it and say, do I do this? Is this something I've been guilty of in the past? And if it is, and you really are a good person, then you change your fucking behavior and then you do the next step and then you start correcting other people's behavior around you if they're being assholes. Like, that's what you do. Um, you start putting money towards organizations or agencies that are helping people that are disenfranchised in this society. Like, that's what you do. So it's just, um, you know, and, and because now we're rolling, I did mention those couple things I follow. It's also Pride Month. And, you know, between what's been going on with unarmed black people being killed and riots. And then we're rolling into June and I know people are celebrating pride month because there's been a long history of gay people being killed just simply for being who they are. I mean, I don't know how much more blatant it can be for people in this country to know that not everyone is equal. I mean, just fucking study history for Christ's sakes. I mean, you know, have you ever seen a white kid, having to be led into a goddamn school by the National Guard while people were standing on the corner and throwing rocks at her? Have you ever seen that? Are there fucking pictures in Time Magazine from like, you know, have you, no, no, we haven't seen that. I mean, this is just crazy that like it's 2020 and this conversation still has to fucking happen and I can't even imagine how exhausted and tired and angry people that live these experiences like how they must feel to have to keep saying, hey, this happens, hey, this happens and people being like, well... Fuck you, well. Fuck you, well. No, no. Like you're not a good one. You're not a good person. Like if you, this is where you're going with it. Kind of like when you talk about women, you know how we're raped at a higher rate than men are in this country. Well, men don't come forward. Guess what? Women don't either. So that fucking percentage of women that's way fucking higher than men being raped, like the one in six, and depending on what country, it's even one in two in some countries. Um, I got news for you. It's fucking way higher for women too. Cause we also don't come forward. So it's like when people say, you know, black people being, well, what was it? No, doesn't matter what they've done in the past. I mean, fuck, apparently you could be sleeping and this happens. I mean, so don't do that. That's like your fucking first lesson. Don't do that. Don't be that fucking person. When gay people are telling you that, you know, their rights are being violated that, you know, oh, it's a Catholic adoption agency and we get to say gay parents can't adopt a kid. Don't say, well, they have a right. No, nobody has a right to discriminate. That's what, that's why there are laws in place. You don't have a right to discriminate. And when people try to do that whole reverse, oh, it's reverse racism, it's reverse sexism. The reason we had to fucking have special places for black people, for women, for gays is because everybody else wouldn't let us in their circle. When you don't get to go in somebody's circle, you make your own. And then that's your safe place because you don't want that fucking person. And they're going, well, then it upsets your safe space. So that's why it's not a reverse anything. It's just this is the fucking safe little area I had to create for myself because you wouldn't let me sit at the table. And now you can't sit at mine. This is, you know, this is just... And I, oh, it's just causing more division. It's cool that it was all divisive way back when and it suited you. And now when it doesn't suit you, now it's an issue. Like, it's just, I can't deal with people being like that. It's very frustrating. And like I said, I'm, I'm like a white woman and I'm frustrated. So I can't imagine any other different ethnicity or sexual orientation and how fucking angry and frustrated they must be and exhausted. So it's just some things to think about today. Things that are going through my head. Like I said, between Pride Month, between all the black people that are dying lately and just... And it's not even lately. It's been happening for a long time. 
and I just feel like I'm glad it's coming. I'm glad that they're riding. I'm glad that people are throwing, look at this fire. Look at this fucking fire. Who is going to help me put it out? Like who is going to do better? Who is going to get more educated and maybe unlearn some shit behavior that you didn't even know you were subconsciously taught through movies, through magazines, through your family gatherings? You know, we are all so socialized to be a certain way. And it's not like somebody sits down and says, okay, this is what you're going to do because you're this way. No, it just happens. It just happens as such a naturally, like, it's kind of creepy. You know, like women are socialized to be accommodating, not, you know, and to just always say yes. And it's just, it's funny because you have to grow up as an adult and unlearn those behaviors and learn to say no without making excuses. Just know that is an answer to people. Can you work for me Tuesday? No. You don't have to, no, um, I have this going on and I really can't, I'm really sorry. We do a lot of apologizing. My husband noticed that. Women at his work, you know, he'll bump into them and they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, why are you apologizing? I bumped into you. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, it's so fucking natural. We don't even realize that we're socialized to be this way. Um, so it's just unlearn some shit behaviors that you may have learned. I've learned some shit behaviors that I've had to unlearn. And you know what? Because I'm actively teaching my kids, it's not enough to be anti-racist. Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not, you know, homophobic. Go the next step further then. When people say shit around you, tell them they're being racist and they're being homophobic. When you're raising your children, teach them to be anti-racist and anti-homophobic. Read them books about different people's lived experiences, educate them and do, if you can do better, you know, I'm told my husband, I need to join a Cleveland homeschool group because my homeschool group here is mostly white. My kids aren't getting any different experiences. They're going to live the same life I did if I don't take them to Cleveland more and get them involved in different groups. I took my kids to Pride Parade last year because I wanted them to see, we talked about the Stonewall riots because it's all about homeschool and learning with my household. So we learned about what those were, why they happened. We learned that, you know, about people with bathroom bills and don't let trans people. I mean, we talk about the daily things that go on. So my 8 and 11 and 20 year old kid are very well versed in everything that goes on in the world. And they know that as they just have privilege that other people don't and how to use that to make the table big enough for everyone to sit around. So that's kind of my takeaway today. Just you really have to start doing more work.